welcome to this episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. As you can probably tell from background noise, we are once again doing a car podcast. Jacob and I are driving to an event that we're going to be judging at together, and so we are going to be spending some of the time in the conversation uh, talking to you about uh, 2019 and all the great things that happened in 2019 and what we sort of think of as looking back on the uh, best ethical questions, best ethical ideas, and questions we wish we talked about more. So, Jacob, how are you doing today? Oh, well, the weather is not the best right now, and I am the designated driver, not that Matthew's been drinking, <laughs> but that uh, the road is such that uh, I may as well be drinking. Uh, we're in freezing rain right now, so if there's an abrupt pause in the uh, in the flow, it's because I'm trying not to kill us both. Yes. Hopefully you won't have to listen to, oh God, oh God, we're going to die, followed by a crashing noise. But then if that happened, we probably wouldn't upload the podcast, so I'm not going to worry about it. Anyway, on that cheery note, <laughs> as I said, 2019 was a pretty awesome year. Um, and Jacob, let me just start with there. Like, before we get into kind of what are our picks for the top five and different questions, what's kind of your overall thought of 2019 as a year of geek media and the questions and ethical discussions that, that it presented to us? Well, 2019 uh, gave us uh, culminations of some uh, sort of geeky franchises that we were very into. So it's a very important year for that. It also gave us some, uh, gave me specifically, a brand new interest that I got to bring to to the podcast and talk about. Wrestling! Wrestling! Uh, my own soap operas. I now watch soap operas <laughs> that have a bunch of fighting for some reason uh, in them. <laughs> And it's super cool and also super problematic a lot of the time. So, uh, so like for me personally, because of my interest expanding, 2019 was an interesting year. But also just in terms of the kinds of properties that either uh, started up or or that we got brand new or that uh, finished off uh, in in the year that, that had been uh, culminating over time. Uh, we, we had a, uh, uh, I'm just going to say it, Avengers Endgame happened yep. this year. Uh, that was a big wrap-up to a uh, something we talked about a lot. Uh, the Netflix MCU got shot in the knee until dead. Uh, so that's a thing that happened. And we got uh, Jessica Jones Season 3. Yep. Uh, have we talked about Jessica Jones Season 3 yet? I think a little bit. I think we, we didn't. I was, I was looking back. an episode on that? Both Jessica Jones Season 3 and Daredevil Season 3 are things we did not cover as much as I would have liked. Yeah, all right. Um, so, uh, something to talk about. A lot, a lot that happened in 2019. And on kind of a similar note, yeah, I, I definitely feel that, as well as the, the other big thing that got wrapped up, which we had a, a big, our last episode was about. And I know for me, it was honestly a big part of inspiring me to do these kind of questions. Uh, and that was Star Wars. Um, the wrap-up of the Star Wars story. So yeah, to me, 2019 was really about a year of of endings and of new beginnings. And I think a lot of what I'm thinking about in 2020 is where are we going with some of these properties? What's going to happen going forward? And, um, you know, what's that? What's all that going to look like? Um, so with that, let's, uh, let's start with best media properties for the year. And to be clear, here I think we're not just talking about... Um, what we think were just like the best, most enjoyable, like well-made movies or TV shows or whatever, but the ones that we think like kind of raise the best questions or the most enjoyable. 
given the nerds that we are about this stuff, those are probably pretty similar lists because I think a lot of our enjoyment of these things, certainly for me, is um, what are the things that really make me think? But, but for anyone who wants to be like, oh no, this property was better than that one, that's not quite the rubric we're using. Um, and I'll start with my number five, which is one I know you haven't seen, and I hope you will at some point because I would love to talk about it with you, um, and it's The Boys. Um, the Boys is an Amazon show. It, it kind of refreshingly, it is a superhero TV show that is not DC or Marvel. Um, I actually think it's a completely original property, although it may have been a uh, an independent comic book. And if a listener knows, please let us know. But it did something really, really interesting that I don't see enough happen with, which is that. You know, so many of the properties we look at start with the conceit of superheroes exist, but in secret, and so no one really knows, and so the world is kind of the way the world is. And this one really goes into the idea of not only do superheroes exist, but our society and our economy has kind of been built around them. And I, I won't spoil too much, but I'll just say, like, a lot of what it gets into is what would corporate America do in terms of once superheroes exist and now can market cereal, you know, and stuff like that. And what happens when, in a lot of ways, it's very intentionally a commentary on um, professional athletics because it's also about, you know, what happens when the superhero who everyone loves and is a great guy actually does terrible things to his spouse or stuff like that. So it's it, it's a very unique take on superhero stories that um, I'm really hoping get gets more talked about because I I really like the way it approached those issues in 2019. Uh, I really want to see the boys uh, as have been discussed multiple times on this podcast. My timing for media consumption is limited. Yeah. Uh, and so I have been, although I, I do have a confession to make uh, and it's, it's part of my honorable mentions, I have taken a large chunk of my media consumption time and chosen to do something with it that is largely just like popcorn for me uh-huh. um, in the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> um, I like, come on, I gotta. I love baking. It's a good one. I love cooking, and I love the very wholesome approach to a competition. Yeah, uh, where it's not like it is, but it isn't. Except for when Paul Hollywood is quite literally Hollywoody um, <laughs> at contestants. Well, and I think that's, it's, I saw it on your honorable mentions, and it's one I think would be, it'd be fun to maybe do something about reality shows. Yeah, Because sure. I think there's a lot of ethical questions that come up with those. Um, I'll also say, yeah, it, it has always been a thing of this podcast that I have a lot more time to watch things than Jacob does. Uh, Jacob is, unlike, I have evolved to a state beyond capitalism, but Jacob still has one of those job things, which he thinks is more important than watching TV shows for our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um in actuality, I work from home and I do consulting work and I uh, just get to watch TV while I work. But I like to twist Jacob's tail a little bit about it. To, to be fair, I also have moved from pre-2019 Jacob, uh, who watched zero hours of professional wrestling every week, <laughs> to uh, 2019 and beyond Jacob, who is watching something to the tune of three to four hours of professional wrestling every week. That's a pretty big chunk of media consumption all of a sudden that well, I'm doing. And, and we'll, as we'll get to, I, I am guilty in a similar way, which is that I have now, and granted, this is because my partner and I got something wonderful, 
But in the last two weeks, I have moved from zero hours a week of playing video games to 12 to 15 hours a week of playing video games. One of us. One of us. One of us. Uh, I will make a quick plug that the game Divinity Co-op um, allows two people to play together in a really great RPG system. But anyway, pulling us back to our ideas, uh, and we're, we're going to get to the video game point later. Um, and just for our listeners' understanding, normally Jacob would read off his list. We decided that perhaps having him read off a list while driving a car would perhaps not be the safest thing, so I'm going to read his list. But I did not look at his list until after I'd made mine. Uh, right. So, Jacob, number five on your list is a series of unfortunate events, uh, which did just slip under the wire for 2019. It, it snuck in there for being a 2019 thing because the last episode, uh, the, the last uh, series of unfortunate events that we ever got uh, was at the start of the year, start of the new year. So... I get to count it for 2019. Well, and you do, because one of my honorable mentions is at the other end. So, but yeah, why, why, why is that one of your top ones? So, a series of unfortunate events, and I brought this up uh, in one of our previous top five lists for the uh, best characters yes. in uh, Violet Beauregard, or, or Beauregard, Violet Baudelaire, excuse me, Violet Baudelaire, um, as a character I really appreciated. Um, the property, the, the story of a series of unfortunate events is just so charming um, in that it takes a literal tragic story and tells it to you in a very enjoyable way. And I find it interesting that it is, it is very much a morality play, but it is one where at the, at the very end, I mean, do you, do you mind spoilers for... No, go ahead. This is a wild spoiler. Uh, spoilers for series of unfortunate events. Uh, if you plan to watch it, skip ahead like, I don't know, 50 minutes. I'll probably be done by then and then back up. <laughs> But uh, it's probably a lot less than that. Uh, it's one of the things that happens in the very last story they tell you is that this person who has been hounding these children, making their lives miserable constantly by trying to seek their fortune, ends up fatally wounded with them on a deserted island. And all they have to do to make that problem of him go away is nothing. And they choose instead to go out of their way and hinder their own ability to to escape from their predicament in order to try to save his life. It doesn't work. Right. Uh, and he talks to them. He basically like, tries to talk them out of it. Um, but they like end up in a position of understanding who Count Olaf was and that he wasn't just a mustache twirling villain, but he was like somebody who came from a position of being really damaged and really hurt. Yeah. And so they come, like, they don't save him, but they understand who he was as a person and get to a place of at least being able to forgive him for some of what he did, um, but not redeem him for it. Like, it's, 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 it's a very uh, heartwarming, I feel, position to be in to be able to be all like, you were a shitty person to us. And we can understand why, because now we know the full story of you. Right. And so, while we, we don't really want to, we're not going to forget what you did to us, but at a certain point, like, you're not going to be around anymore, and right. I think that, like, we can have sympathy for you, we can have empathy for your position, because it's not like you were a good person who suddenly started doing <laughs> bad for no reason. Yeah, and that, that makes me want to watch it, especially because, um... That dovetails nicely with what is one of my honorable mentions, 
uh, which in many ways I put in a very similar category to the boys, which is the Umbrella Academy. Um, yeah, the Umbrella Academy is another thing I intend to watch. It is. Point. It is very good, and it's in the way that the boys really explores what happens to society when you have superheroes. Um, the the Umbrella Academy really uh, explores what happens psychologically to the individual people, and one of the things that it really does is that same kind of idea of a lot of the conflict that's happening is because all of these people think they had very similar experiences, but actually had very different ones and are not understanding each other's pain. So yeah, that, that's definitely one that I really want to uh, hear more about. Um, and I know the second, uh, number four on your list, uh, also one I haven't, oh no, actually number four on your list was one I did see, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Uh, so I, I had it as an honorable mention. I think I didn't think it was quite as good as you, but I didn't put it quite high. But what, 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 what for you made it, put it on the list? So, uh, in full disclosure, Avengers Endgame is not in my top five. It got an honorable mention instead. Um, I had to put Captain Marvel over the top for one specific moment in the movie. I, I think, it, can I try and guess what it is? Absolutely, go for it. I think it's going to be the one where Mar- Marvel... Uh, Captain Marvel is confronting the guy who has been kind of like mansplaining and being her mentor and holding her back the whole time. And he kind of demands that she fights him on his terms. She and she's just like... him up against the fucking mountain. Yeah. And it's the most wonderful moment <laughs> in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe fighting the IRL. Uh, that was so incredible for so many reasons. Um, I love that they were true to the fictional hero of Captain Marvel and gave us a strong female lead in a movie that I think holds up regardless of your um, your opinions about uh, the, the Marvel properties and, and their adaptation into film. It's just a good Marvel movie yeah. and the, one of the best they've made and it just happens that happened to be a woman in the lead role and I think it's so important that that happened and that scene to me was the pinnacle of this is something that we would applaud in the theater at any point uh, if it were done by a male character and so therefore to have it be done by Captain Marvel was I feel very important and I don't want to oversell this because I'm not a woman I can't speak from that perspective um, but I just loved that movie to pieces and loved that scene especially because it took everything that would like if that movie I feel had been made two years ago uh-huh. that scene would have broken with, with her having something to prove to him yeah. she's got absolutely fuck all to prove to that person who was oppressing her and telling her that like her powers were a problem or what the fuck ever like nope yeah. get, I, get busted I definitely agree with you I think in many ways I Captain Marvel, I, I think it's an it's a example of how this year was an embarrassment of riches. Because I think many, it is not that I have anything against Captain Marvel. I think it's a fantastic movie. We just had so many good things that I couldn't quite find a way to get in my top five. But I think you're right. And, and for me, there's two really things ethically that really stand out. One is that particular scene, but also just her whole development as a character. And I... I do think that you, I mean, you and I don't know the woman experience, but certainly I made a point, and I think you did the same, to read a lot of women commentators about this. And so many of them talked about that scene and just talked about the whole idea of her being a character who doesn't have to define herself on the terms that a man sets for her. 
and just how important that was. And I feel like we saw that in part just in the reaction to the movie, where so many of the men said, you know, so many of the men who didn't like the movie said, well, but she didn't have a character arc. And, 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 and I loved the, the pieces that people wrote in response to that. Some, you know, really trying to painstakingly educate, some hilariously taking people to task, all of which is valid. But the, the core of it all being, you don't think she has a character arc because you have no idea what she's overcoming, you know, and that, that in many ways that what, and again, I, it's not something I completely understand, but I can, or I can, I can't relate to, but I think I can try and understand of just her character, you know, fighting through those things and having to be defined on men's terms that there is an incredible character arc that she has there, but you have to understand it to see it. Um, and, and the other thing that I think that movie brought up that was so great was really the whole idea of who the villain is, yeah. you know, and I'm going to basically say this episode, we're going to pretty much spoil everything that was great in 2019, um, but spoilers for Captain Marvel, you know, the big reveal of the people we thought were the enemies are so good. They, the refugees. And, yeah. And, are, yeah, they are the oppressed and they but, look, quote unquote, look evil. Right, well, but because to me, it, it's A, it's the fact that they were oppressed, but that they don't go to the, therefore they are pure and good and wonderful. And that their leader flat out says, our hands are pretty dirty too. You know, I thought that was just such a nice moment. Um, so yeah, it, it's not my top five, but it's certainly up there. Um, my number four, I know another one you haven't seen, and so I'm going to be a little briefer about these, uh, just so we don't go too deep on all these, uh, but it's The Mandalorian. Um, it's not the most complex ethical show, and in many ways my love of it is more about my love of Star Wars in general, and my... But I think part of what I loved about it, it yes, Baby Yoda is adorable, and it's great. And it does bring... There are some very good ethical questions it raises, especially about PTSD after war, and about, um, you know, how do you transition from a war mentality to a peacetime mentality... But I also just love the fact that it gets into questions of, of loyalty and things like that. And as well as, and this isn't kind of a larger ethical issue, it fleshes out the Star Wars world in a way that I really appreciate. And that I think um, if we get a chance to discuss it, it's really going to be a great one to get into. Um, going further along, uh, my number three uh, was Good Omens. Um, I, and I think this is on your honorable mentions, am I right? Or did it not come? No, I haven't seen Good Omens yet. Okay. Uh, but... <laughs> My in-laws have it uh, available for us to watch whenever we want, and I haven't yet. And yeah. I am very upset, because <laughs> I know I'm going to love the piss out of it, but... Uh, and and it's, again, it, it comes off as just lighter, really good humor and parody, but there's actually... Have you read the book? Uh-huh. Okay, uh, so then I won't spoil the, the plot. I had, uh, so Larissa read the book to me, because that was a romantic thing we used to oh, do the sweet. very often. Uh I, we just don't have the time for it anymore yeah. because hashtag working professionals. But. Um, but yeah, but so you know, like, the, the, the entire plot is an ethical question. Yeah. You know, it's about yeah. how much do you stay with your team versus recognizing the problem in your team? And how much do you, what is the difference between winning versus surviving? And, and the ability to step out of a conflict mentality. So, yeah, it, 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 I think it was in some ways, I think it's one of the best examples of an ethical thing because you could miss the fact that it's teaching you ethics. Yeah, 
Get Out is a great story, uh, and I'm sh- if if the adaptation is at all faithful to the book, then yeah, it yeah. belongs on this list. Ah, uh, so your number three was All Elite Wrestling. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about wrestling some more. Uh, All Elite Wrestling is on here specifically because as a a consumer of professional wrestling now, uh, there was an issue we had, we talked about it on the podcast, where sometimes the the big name in the industry, uh, the WWE, has some problems. Like the Blood Money Saudi Arabia show, the Crown Jewel, I think it's I, I try not to pay attention enough to it to even remember that. Yeah. Um, but, like, garbage like that. And, like, more recently, there's been this, like, ridiculous cuck storyline with one of their characters that's really racist and awful and terrible and sexist. And, yeah. Like, but that was, like, that was it. If you wanted to watch a really good product, uh, most of the time well-made product, you had to deal with all of the WWE's baggage. Um, All Elite Wrestling has provided an alternative uh, that is, it's, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, they're highlighting different things, but they're doing a lot that I like. And so, like, it's on my list because they're still up. They're not perfect either. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to talk about their uh, women's division of it later uh, as something that I'm looking forward to them fixing. Um, but it is, it's so important to have competition that can challenge something in in social awareness the way that AEW has been trying to challenge the WWE. And that that for me is great to hear because I remember we got to the end of our episode on the ethics of wrestling and I kind of felt like we convinced everyone to stop watching wrestling and I remember thinking I was confused when you said that you were still following it and so that makes a lot of sense I think it's actually a really interesting commentary on what's been an overall theme for us since we began, but especially this year, which is how you deal with problematic favorites. So right. uh, I really appreciate that one. So that's your number three, and then I just want to kind of hurry us along because we have uh, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. too much time. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about, yeah. Uh, so number two, Knives Out. You want to quickly say why you like oh, that one? Uh, so you have an earlier printing of this. Uh, I have I changed that. Knives sure. Out be, uh, has actually been relegated to an honorable mention. Real quick, great whodunit. I haven't seen a whodunit like this in a long time that's fun in the way that Clue was fun. Nice. Um, if you enjoyed Clue with Tim Curry and uh, Leslie Ann Warren and... Let's move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I highly recommend seeing this movie. Um, I want to change this to Taz Amnesty, the Adventure Zone Amnesty. Oh, okay. Um, so this... this wrapped Holding up, up podcast is a veritable art form. I can appreciate yeah, that. This, this wrapped up this year. This, this arc wrapped up this year. And the theme of the story is dealing with um, something trying to uh, trying to force you to as a culture into like a, a conflict based thing uh-huh. and judging you on whether or not um, you were still a culture that needed conflict to survive and thrive and like so it's like this whole like judgy extra dimensional entity thing that is trying to control societies based on what they think the epitome of a society was. Oh, fascinating. Um, and and our main characters effectively rebelling against that when they find out that's what's going on. It's beautiful. Well, that, that makes um, me something I want to tune into. And 
And it also, you know, if the whole point of this podcast originally was to focus on the idea that you can raise ethical questions in media that people often don't think about that, you know, we started it as comic books and TV and movies. And so now the idea that people are approaching those things through things like podcasts and D&D campaigns is just amazing to me. And it got there. This is the wild spark. Real briefly, yeah. this is the wild spark. It got there from the premise of let's make a show, let's make let's make a, a story that's like a show like Supernatural. Interesting. Like a monster of the week type show. And that's the story Arthur Griffin McElroy crafted and just that's the kind of thing that you can do with these pieces, folks. It's wonderful. So my number two, uh, I don't again I think you haven't seen it yet, but maybe you have. Uh, it's Spider Man Far From Home. I still haven't seen Far From Home. And it's just it's it's not perfect. It's, I don't think it's quite as good as the first Spider-Man movie, but it is very, very good. But the, th- the thing that puts it on the map for me is I, I love repercussions. We've talked about that a lot. And it does a very interesting job of telling us what happened to the world after Infinity War and what are all the little ways that having five years of half the people blinking out and half the people not... What did that do to people? And it's just, and I, I'm not going to say anything more because I don't want to spoil things, but I just, it, it is a very, very good exploration of that. And the thing that it really explores is what is my number one, which is your honorable mention, I know, which is Endgame. Um, and I think Endgame is on there for me, especially because, and I, I mentioned this later, um, I am, one of the things that I'm most fascinated by is the difference between revenge versus justice. And, or revenge versus solving a problem. And my single favorite moment in the Endgame movie is when they have the power to kill Thanos, they kill Thanos, and they realize that it doesn't make them feel any better. And I just, um, it, it, there's a, I once heard an incredible speech by, a, uh, I was at um, a vigil at a prison where a, an execution was about to happen. And it was a speech by a death row, uh, by a, a person who was against the death penalty. And he was, he had had a son who was murdered and he pushed very hard for the, 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 the person who killed his son to be executed. And he gave this heart wrenching story about how he watched the person who had killed his son be executed. And the next morning he woke up and his son was still dead and he still felt terrible about it. And it was just this light, like incredible moment for him of, and, and, and that's what Endgame for me really hit it. That, that's why it, it's. And partially also it's because it's just, it was the culmination of so many questions and, and we did a whole episode on Endgame, we talked about it already, but it, it, it to me was just my number one. Um, and your number one was uh, The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. Yeah, so if you weren't aware of this, uh, Dark Crystal's back as a television series that is a prequel to the movies, and, or the movies, excuse right. me, singular. Um, it's on here partly for enjoyment purposes because I love practical effects in this day and age because when they're well done they're really well done and this is actual puppets not cgi nobody does practical effects like henson's shop does practical effects Uh, this wants to take 290 i'm pointing out an exit um Uh, yeah i'll just while while jacob's trying to navigate the road i would just say i i have not gotten to see it i've only seen one or two episodes and I was having trouble following it, I want to be able to give it more attention because it looks like it's going to be great and also raise some really great questions. So there's a um, 
there are a couple of things about uh, it that really make it hit my list, and a big one is actually the character of the Chamberlain. Yeah. Um, because at one point he are they also prone? Yes, they are. I'm <laughs> like them because I'd be the whole bunch of garbage. Sure. Hitting over. Um. So the the character of the Chamberlain at one point has an exchange with one of our protagonists. Uh, the Chamberlain is is a, one of the villains, but. He actually kind of makes a point insofar as, hey, like, if you're basically our food and what sustains us, is it really amoral for us to eat you any more than it is for you to, than it is amoral for you to eat the things that you eat, right? the life that you consume? And, like, it's just... It was a, it was a challenging question I hadn't expected them to raise. Right. Um, well, especially because as much as I love Dark Crystal the movie, the original, the villains in it are complete mustache twirlers. Oh, for sure. The Skeksis are yeah. and like they're mostly that. But Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds like a really interesting fun thing to to get into. Um I I will uh, um so I'll just go over now my honorable mentions, we can move on to the next question. Uh, well, Jacob's again navigating a toll booth. Um, but for me, my I, I mentioned Captain Marvel. My other ones quickly were Cloak and Dagger Season 2. Um, again, just a very, very good show. There's been a couple of TV shows, and I'll talk about a few of them later in this podcast, that were kind of outside of the, like, either Netflix MCU or things like that, but there were Marvel shows, and we're still not clear how they fit into the larger universe but really just did great things and great ethical questions. Cloak and Dagger is definitely one of them. Um, She-Ra is another one that's on my list. She-Ra has blown me away because it is showing me what children's education can do and children's animation in a way that is, like, I never got to see the universe, but I know a lot of people love it. Um, it, it but it, it, She-Ra has the Muppets quality of being good for kids, but also great for adults. And the degree to which it does representation of having people of all body sizes and of all sexualities and have various gender identities and have different disabilities. And it just, it just blows me away. I want I hope we get to talk about. And the last one, and this is my answer to your uh, uh, unfortunate events, because it just snuck under 2019 from the other direction, is The Witcher. Um, I have only seen the first episode of The Witcher, and already I think it might be the most ethically challenging thing I watched in 2019. Um, or actually, I watched it in 2020, but it came out in 2019. Um, so those are my honorable mentions. And uh, Jake was just to review uh, Avengers Endgame and Great British Bake Off. And Knives Out. And Knives Out, yeah. Um, so now let's go on to our next question, which is the favorite ethical uh, questions of 2019. Um, and so my number five was um, problematic favorites. Mm. And we did our episode on that pretty recently. We've talked about it a lot. I'm not going to go into it. But I think... It's one that's going to come up a lot more, especially with a Black Widow movie, which I admit, I'm still not sure if I'm going to see, because part of me wants to give my dollars to any woman-led superhero thing I can. Part of me really doesn't want to give my dollars to Charlotte Johansson. So I think Problematic Favorites is going to be a big one in this coming year. Uh, I That's higher on my list, if I if I recall my list correctly, because that was one of, if not my favorite topic of the year for how much it challenged us, yeah. specifically as the hosts of this podcast. Uh, where we consume media and claim to like media, and sometimes there's stuff in there that is not yeah. great. 
Uh, J.K. Rowling has taken a turn for the even worse and more obvious. Yeah, since yeah. we did that episode. And it's and I'll say also, uh, Jake and I had slightly different approaches to this question. I just went on questions. Jacob actually went on the, the episodes that we discussed these on. Yes. Uh, it was probably a better way to answer it. But so, Jacob, your number five was paternal ethics. And what yeah, was that for you? So that was the, when we talked about like John Winchester, Tony Stark. Yeah. Father figures and the role of, of the paternal figure or mentors really in, in hero stories and their development and how they choose to interact with their, their progeny. Um, that was another Car Talk episode. Yeah. Um, but it was one where I really feel like we got into some meat on some issues and it's still something that I feel very strongly about um, because it was another one where there was some nuance that we recognized where yeah. um, like it's not like I'm a huge fan of the whole tough love idea, tough love idea but um, there sometimes certain approaches will not work and like um, also recognizing that, like, holding parents or, or, or mentors to impossible standards is also not correct. They're also human. Yeah. Right? And allowing them to be human in our stories is very important. Or else we get characters like Gandalf that are, <laughs> like, I yeah. love the character of Gandalf, but, uh... Gan- Gandalf it has a great beard and is a great Mary Sue. Yeah. Uh, there we uh, go. Uh, Marvin Stewart, I think maybe. Gary Stu. Gary Stu, there we go. Um, so, New Year number four was Anger and Power. Yeah. Um, which I also think was a very good one. Like, like, in retrospect, might deserve to be higher on my list because it's something that, like, we, like, it's, it's very personally for me. Uh huh. Um, given some some issues uh, with, uh, with my life experience and the people I've interacted with. Um, yeah. I have to make a turn here. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's a very good question. I think, it, 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 like, I was just talking about the, the revenge thing from Endgame. It, it, it's the idea of how you use anger and how you use power, especially as a hero when you're trying to do the right thing, it's one that just comes up all the time. Right, we had the, we talked about the Luke Cage moment. We talked about what happens when our heroes let their anger get the better of them and how that can be a real issue. And then mm-hmm. we talked about the Hulk and how, um, I think at that time we hadn't seen Endgame yet, yeah. so we hadn't seen that beautiful um, sort of end, if you will, of the Hulk's heroic journey of learning how to deal with his anger not as... Not uh, as a binary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just being able to accept himself as a yeah. person and how that actually helps him manage his anger better. And it's one I'm sure is going to keep coming up. Um Number four is one we never really got into in a full episode, although it, it, it danced around a lot of our discussions, and certainly was one I discussed a lot online. And then I think we're going to be discussing a lot more, and it's the, the corporate aspect of this, of all of this. And what, what I mean by that is the fact that a number of the stories we want to see told, the control of those stories winds up being driven by money more than just the attempt to drive a good story. And like we always know that, but I'm specifically talking about things like whether Spider-Man is going to stay in the MCU and uh, the canceling of Netflix because of what Disney wants to do. And it's, you know, in some ways I'm saying, you know, boo capitalism bad. And it's not the most, you know, sort of out there position I can take. And it's also, we need incredible budgets to make these stories and maybe this is the price we pay. But I think there's a real ethical issue in the fact that 
we start like you know the fact that because of contract disputes we're not going to get more of some of these great stories um and it does seem at this point now like spider-man is going to stay in the mcu at least sort of um but i think that, i think there's an ethical question behind the fact that we just don't have all of that coming up and it's one that really makes me sad um uh, i agree uh and it would be i think that's a good topic for for an episode because yeah. it's going to it's not going to stop being relevant and uh, it sort of ties in with um, one of the concerns that I have going forward in a, in a yeah. later list here. Um, so it also it ties in very much to my number three, which is also about the, the industry. Um, and we covered it pretty, a lot in our Star Wars episode, so I won't go too in-depth with it. But it's the degree to which stories are changed based on fan reaction. Um, it, I am going to have real trouble believing that the, the role that... Um, you know, the, some of the decisions that were made in making the rise of Skywalker weren't in part because of the, the very angry backlash of a very vocal um, and very angry and pretty shitty part of the fan base. Um, and so that's one that just really bothers me. Um, and I know you, as again, we just talked about that. Uh, your number three was um, the Star Wars Force. The, oh, actually, I did report Star Wars. And yes, a great episode we did as well on the ethics of the Jedi and the Sith, the Force yeah. users. So this is the one we did with Jonah Kelman. Um, and just, I like explaining, it, it actually served as a really good lead-in to our preview discussion for Rise of Skywalker, where we were talking about how, you know, it's not just a, a dichotomy of Jedi good, Sith bad. Um, and we, we, Jonah and I, revealed ourselves to be uh, Sith sympathizers <laughs> in, in many ways. Yeah. Uh, I don't sympathize with the murder of children, or the use of children as soldiers, or uh, any of the Nazi garbage that the First Order was doing, nothing like that. But, um, I think it is important to criticize, to be critical of the Jedi for giving rise to Darth Vader, and yeah. for their stupid puritanical nonsense that <laughs> didn't affect anybody's ability to be in tune with the Force, obviously, yeah. or to control their control their feelings. It was a great discussion. It, it really was, and I, I think in many ways that discussion is the best example of why I didn't like Rise of Skywalker more than I did. Because it just, I think that discussion got into the very heart and soul of the ethics of Star Wars in a way that like the, the later movies got away from. Um, I, I honestly don't think that Disney is, has the stomach to do that in a major motion picture for yeah. the franchise. I mean, it did in Last Jedi. But it also may not have known that it was doing it. Yeah, I mean, like, they did it, and it was yeah. really good, but then they didn't yeah. really do anything. Anyway, so the uh, year number two is the Orville Prime Directive episode. Which, oh, yeah. Oh, it was so good. And oh, I'm so angry that we're, we have to wait till the fall of this year to get Orville back. And then but I have but to I can't buy into wait. a service that I don't currently have. Uh, yeah. That's, I'm going to, because the Orville <laughs> is, is worth it. That is still best Star Trek show to be made. It's the, the best last... Star Trek show to be yeah. made in the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't even know if Picard's going to surpass it. Uh, Patrick Stewart yeah. is a wonderful actor. He cannot, contrary to some fan belief, carry an entire show on, on well, his own. And spoilers, that's going to be on one of my later lists. Right. So, yeah, I... Um, but uh, that episode about, about Mad Idolatry is, is the one I'm specifically talking about where we talked about um, uh, the... When um, Kelly 
was thought to be a religious figure on the planet. And yeah. The whole, like, what a great episode of television that posed some challenging ethical questions and didn't answer them. Yeah. And that's, the, that's, that is, to me, it was Star Trek at its best, it's Marvel at its best, it's anything at its best. And, and, then, and then we had something in uh, season two that I really, like, I don't think we've talked about it yet. The whole thing with the Mocklins actually shook out. Oh, yeah. Very real, very, like, good, they well, moved that story forward. I, I'm going to do a brief plug, which is that um, I have another podcast called the Orville Universe Podcast which we do a episode by episode review of things. Um, and, uh, um, Jacob, we will definitely want to have you on as a ho as a guest sometime to that, because we get into these, uh, pretty deep into these questions. We have not yet done season two and we want to kind of as a lead in to the season three. And so I'd love to have you out as a guest on uh, when sure. we bring that on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to, cause we are getting closer to destination. I'm going to quickly kind of yada yada through our, our last couple. Cause we've discussed all of them. Uh, but my number two was what happens uh, to the people and to the society when superheroes exist. And Marvel, the MCU always covered it a little bit, but I was always frustrated that it didn't do more. <clears throat> and so I'd say the boys in Umbrella Academy just raised those questions so well. And then my number one, which I already talked about, is revenge versus fixing things. Yeah. Um, and then Jacob's number one, which we talked about somewhat, is problematic favorites. Yeah. Um, I, I knew it was high up on my list. But, yeah. Uh, and uh, I should have had more faith in myself that I put it in number one. Because... Yeah. Well, and I, I put it on there, too. And it's I think it's just so relevant to us as fans, you yeah. know? Which and is... and as, as critical fans, as, as fans that are willing to... And I don't, I don't mean this to, to be condescending or demeaning to anybody who consumes media who doesn't do this. Um, but, but who are actively willing to seek out uh, information that might make us question our choices about what we choose to consume... And, and challenge ourselves constantly with yeah. that uh, and each other with like how can you justify watching wrestling with garbage blah blah right. blah and right. I know looking ahead something both you and I mentioned on other lists was things about you know, how do we apply more of these questions to our own lives and I think the problematic favorites is a great part of that yeah. um, so things we're looking forward to in 2020 um, uh, I'm going to kind of do the two at a time uh, number five on your list was uh, the finale of Supernatural, and number four is what's next for the MCU. Right. So you want to quick just kind of touch on both of those? So, Supernatural is ending this year. Yeah. Did you know that? I did. They're having a definitive end. Uh, they're having a JRPG ending. They have to kill God. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not joking. I know, I know, and I know. I'm very, I am so super duper in for this, because they're not doing it as a cheap, like, well, okay, God wasn't what we thought God was, a little bit, but they're <laughs> they're doing, they're not doing the, well, if we, if we just have the right powers and we have the right stuff, then we can do it. They're really wrestling with the, like, did our lives mean anything when someone was, like, literally, like, writing the script for them oh, this whole God. time? So, so they're doing theodicy? Uh-huh. It's, okay. it's I, so hand-wringing and I I, I don't think I can make myself watch it from a maybe episode summary so we can get into it because what you're telling me is it's gonna be an, it's gonna be a season of theology and that is so it's, my like it's not quite um well I should there, say there is a determinism versus uh free will sub theme running throughout it, it will be ethical questions that I have a theological approach to is sure. a better way to put it yes, and, yes. and it seems like maybe part of the discussion is gonna be should there be a theological approach to. Uh, and with your number four, 
it, it shows maybe a little bit of our, our um, different perspectives. I have the same question basically on one of my concerns. <laughs> but yeah, right. I mean, we are, it is a huge move. The Netflix MCU especially has been a huge, huge part of um, this podcast, yeah. you know, and as well as the uh, entire MCU saga that ended with Endgame has been a huge part of, of just, you know, the entire story. And I think I'm really curious as well. Uh, my number five is uh, video games. Um, I've really gotten hooked. Uh, part of it started with um, watching my partner play games like Dragon Age, where just the character development is so good. I then played with her, with us switching the controller back and forth, um, Final Fantasy 15, And I would just, you know... Four emo boys on a road trip I never thought I would care about quite so much, but damn, that's a good story. Um, and my number four is uh, of the Picard and a return to the Star Trek canon. And, you know, we joke all the time that I think the Orville is the best of the um, current Star Trek properties. I think it is truer to Star Trek than either the Discovery show, though I've heard that's gotten a lot better in more recent seasons. I think it is much truer to J.J. Abrams' You know, J.J. Abrams, to me, is true to the Wrath of Khan, but it has nothing to do with the rest of the Star Trek universe. Um, and so I'm really hopeful that Picard will, will bring us back to that. I'm both concerned about it, but also hopeful. Uh, I know you mentioned that as well. Yes. Um, uh, my number three and two, just kind of continuing, uh, The Boys Season 2. I've talked about it already, but The Boys Season 1 had, no spoilers, but it had a couple of, not even cliffhangers, but it was oh, hey, you think you've understood the ethical questions? Actually, here's a huge reveal that just tilts everything. And I can't wait to see how they explore it. Um, and as we already talked about, Orville Season 2. Uh, your 3 and 2 were um, talking about video games, which you just got into. Um, and the AEW Women's Division. So, so save so it about that. So, so first, video games, because uh, it's higher on my list because I've been waiting for this for a while. Something I want that uh, comes up later where I really, 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 really want to talk about it. Uh -huh. And I think we're at a point where we can on the podcast. Uh, we'll get more into that later. Uh, EW Women's Division, just as briefly as I'm capable of, which is not yeah. very long winded. <laughs> I'll interrupt you. Don't worry. Uh, but. but the they have done a good job of making a good alternative product, except they started from a position where they were behind with their women's division. They hadn't had everybody they wanted, they didn't have enough people signed, they didn't have stories in place, and it's been a, a constant criticism that people have had of the show that they only have one match per, per weekly show um, compared to uh, the competing product on a similar night, and right. it's PS2, um, and it's like, the women should be able to have close to an equal space on the card, and they currently yeah. don't. Um, and I am looking forward to, they have a whole nother year now to do this. Oh, great. And, well, for me, before I'm all like, well, yeah. you, you have to either say you're not doing it at all, or you have to, like, yeah. you can't half-ass this. Shit or get off the pot. Yeah, shit or get off the pot. Well, and and my, my biggest question is, have they avoided the sexualization of the women wrestlers to the extent that, like, WWE's done so for badly? The, for the most part. Uh, there is one, uh, there's one performer... Um, she, she is a wrestler. She has wrestled in the ring uh, prior to this point. Whose now character gimmick seems to be that she's uh, the sexy eye candy hanging on uh, another character. But it's it's weird because it doesn't feel the same way that WWE does it. Because what she's doing is she's 
using the fact that the the promotion itself is very squeamish about intergender wrestling. Uh-huh. To am I left in here? Yeah. Yeah, well that- about intergender wrestling to uh mess with uh his opponents right. and get him and help get him wins. Um and then also using like she's not using the her sex appeal I feel in a way that is uh, objectifying, but in a way that is, it's, it's, it's her choice and empowering for her, I, I think. Yeah, but, like, but we gotta see how it plays out, but exactly. that sounds, you know, I mean, sexuality is a part of it, and certainly they very objectify the male wrestlers, and I, it's, right. you know, I, I know that it was very, the WWE, though, did it in ways that felt really sleazy, and so yes. if they're approaching it, that makes me interested. Um, I'll say quickly, uh, my number one was The Mandalorian Season 2, which I think I've kind of gone into, and I won't go too mm-hmm. more into, um, but I have a very big question, which is, I want to understand um, your uh, what is your ethical concern about your number one? Because Jacob's number one thing to look forward to is my getting married. And so what is the ethical question here? <laughs> so I just wanted to put it on the podcast because I'm very excited about it. And like, I appreciate that. Um, so like, and, and honestly, I was having trouble coming up with a fit thing that I really felt like deserved that level of attention. That's fair. Um, <laughs> But I do think it's 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 maybe not relevant from an ethical consideration, uh, but it's relevant for the podcast in that um, there might be some interruptions that are at unusual slash bonus episodes, <laughs> uh, depending because uh, one thing is one thing that's going to happen is that uh, all three people who have served as a host on this podcast are going to be in the same physical space at the yeah. same time. I, I uh, think that may well happen. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to you and Paul meeting. But, there may be but, an ethical concern of how much is yeah. too much to troll <laughs> the guy who's going to get married, because I think Paul and I might do a fair amount of that. Well, and we'll see. That, and there is one other ethical thing that I think is kind of relevant to our discussions, which is, um, for those who, who don't know us, I, I asked Jacob to be my best man, and he's helping me plan a bachelor party. And the first time I got married, I did none of that stuff, because to me... Anything involving men getting together to celebrate anything just by definition reeked of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And since then, that makes it sound like I'm, I'm now pro-toxic masculinity. I'm actually not. Um, <laughs> since then, I've come since, around to toxic masculinity. Since then, in part because of the friendships I've made with you and a lot of the other male magic judges who I know, who are all very aware of these issues as well, I've really changed a lot in my ability to kind of redefine what masculinity, what celebrating masculinity and male friendship can be like in ways that aren't toxic. And so I actually do think it's kind of awesome that you and I are going to get to share that experience. So I, I can find an ethical consideration in anything. So there we go. Right. Um, it's, it's reinforcing positive male friendship and, and celebrating what what is positive to be celebrated about in right. masculinity uh, um, rather than the traditional get drunk and go get strippers or whatever. Yeah. And for any who are curious, we're not going to have any strippers in my uh, bachelor party, mostly because my partner would really object that she wasn't getting to enjoy them as well. Um, uh, so now moving on to just all I should mention, my honorable mentions uh, for the ethical question. The, the, my things I'm looking forward to are um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, just because those were always kind of side uh, second-tier characters, and I really want to see what happens, as well as having a black character uh, I'm excited about. Um, Birds of Prey which I'm both excited and concerned about, and I'll talk more about in a moment, um, and The Witcher. Uh, again, it's just something I'm, I'm, you know, getting at both ends, because I started it in 2019, but I'm really excited for it's going to be in 2020. Right. Uh, let's move to our next question, which is the five concerns we have in 2020. Uh, and Jacob, your top two were, I'm going to have to switch Jacob's page, 
Uh, actually, you hadn't filled them in yet, so what, what do you say is your number four? Oh, uh, Mulan, but not for the reasons that you think. Okay. Uh, or maybe for the reasons that you think. Because so, I have reasons to be concerned about. I'm wondering if we have the same All of the trailers look pretty good, actually. Uh, they're, 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 the song of Pro Mulan is a very important story in, um, in, uh, Chinese culture. Yeah. Um, in traditional Chinese culture, as I, as I understand it, and understand I'm coming from a position of an outsider, but I am seeing a, a um, all Asian so far cast that I, that I was seeing in the trailers. Um, my concern comes from um, a, a The Last Jedi type position where I, I'm i concerned about fan backlash. I'm concerned mm. that a, we're going to have a really wonderful thing in a non-whitewashed cast of a story that shouldn't have any white actors in it because there's no white characters in it. Um, and people are going to set Disney on fire for it. Yeah, uh, that's a good and, one. And attack the actors and actresses uh, and the people involved in the film. And I'm just really excited to see that story told. Like, I, I saw, I finally got to see Crazy Rich Asians this year and I want more movies yeah. with casts like that where we can, we can uh, you know, acknowledge the fact that you don't have to be a big name Caucasian to have a good movie, or you don't need one to have a good movie. I mean, I think Black Panther. I, I don't want to say that that, we're ever, that we should ask for like an Asian Black Panther and Asian Luke Cage because mm. I think that's a false equivalency. Right, right, right. But certainly, those properties show us how important it is to not have the story of an Asian character in a white world, but to have you know to have the yes. the world that's different. It's interesting because Mulan. I thought about actually putting on my list of concerns, but for a very different reason. And I'm going to say from the beginning, this is an issue that I'm very aware that I do not understand. And I'm only going to be, I, I'm only concerned because of what I've read about the concern of others. And I plan to educate myself a lot on this topic. And if people have things they want to send in, uh, especially if you have a perspective that's more on, more aware of it, please let me know. Um, and that's the, um, I've read a lot of concerns from people of Chinese descent, but who are not connected to uh, the People's Republic of China, uh, either Taiwanese or now a number of Hong Kong folk who are concerned that this is really going to be a celebration of Chinese nationalism. Right. Um, and uh, again, I, I, I don't I don't I don't feel comfortable commenting either way. And frankly, I don't think I would do an episode on it because of that. But I'm it, it's something I'm aware of and I want to kind of read more about, um, especially because and we've talked about this before. And I think it's going to come up a little later. Um, you know, there, there's this unfortunate thing that is the a number of Hollywood studios have gone on record as saying that there are some issues that they don't cover because of their concerns about how they will play in the Chinese market. For example, um, Doctor Strange not having um, the Ancient One be Tibetan because of the relationship between China and Tibet. And so I, I, and I don't know how much those concerns have played into this. And again, it's one I don't know about, but it, but yeah, so for me, Mulan is definitely one I'm, I'm thinking about. Um, my number five, as I brought up before, is Birds of Prey. Um, I think this is going to be a very good movie. I hope so. I, there's a lot of things that were terrible about Suicide Squad. I loved Harley Quinn in it. I hated how sexualized she was. And my understanding is that the actress has said that, she, that part of why this movie is really about her emancipation is no more abusive love story with Joker. No more, you know, she's a very sexual character and that's great. That's much more going to be on her own terms. 
so I'm both I'm, I have that concern and I have a concern about how much is going to be her movie and the other two are going to be sidekicks um, I'm hoping those things aren't going to be there but I, I have concerns about them um, and you can respond to that one as well as the other thing I'll say is my number four uh, is studios caving to angry fans more Return of the Rise of Skywalker stuff I mean, um, I think that was a... If it wasn't on my list of concerns, it should have been. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like... It, it ties into the Mulan thing, but as a, as a more um, broad category of... Like, again, it's okay... Yeah, it actually is your number two. Yeah, okay. It's okay for, for uh, fans to be critical of creators and for creators to respond to that, but it's a... It has to be for the right reasons. It has to be yeah. because they fucked up, right? Not because, oh uh, well, we did we we did do good, but it's not selling well, or we made a bunch of people and, and like. I think that artists and media producers have an obligation to help move the culture forward. Yeah, and if you deny that obligation in favor of the <laughs> almighty dollar. Yep. then you are selling out and you should be taking the task for it. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you there. There's a great phrase that I learned in seminary as a like watchword for pastors. And I think uh, and I think it's true, though, for a lot of like anyone who's kind of like a justice advocate. But I think also, therefore, I hold art to the same standard, which is that you should comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And I, I feel like saying, you know, <clears throat> we're sorry, you know, saying we're going to have a movie that, you know, We've listened to minority groups saying there's not enough representation, so we're going to do that. Great way to listen. Listening to white people saying they don't like being challenged on their own racism, that to me is a bad time to move forward. So I'm, I'm with you there. Um, <clears throat> so your number three is about the election cycle, and I actually have, I have a similar one, but you want to just kind of uh, give your version of it and we'll see how much it's... So it's- in, in the U.S., we have a very important election coming up in 2020, and first of all, regardless of your political views... I want to encourage everybody to engage with the dialogue, engage with the candidates you're thinking about voting for, and vote. Superheroes vote. Vote. Yep. Uh, one of the most heroic things that you can do in our society, in my opinion, is participate in the goddamn participatory democracy. Yeah. It doesn't work. <clears throat> don't do it. And it sounds like that's the heart of your concern, is that kind of like people being beaten down too much and not participating. Exactly. We're, we're so... A lot of there's a lot of fire in people after Trump got elected, and then the midterms happened, and it wasn't quite enough to turn the tide. Yep. Um, of the it didn't really give Trump enough of a challenge. Um, and so my my big concern is that the people who are like minded to myself, this is I understand my own biases are at play here have been beaten down to the point where they are, they're thinking they may as well not care and not engage because they're not going to win anyway. Yeah. And I, I have a very real concern about that. And, and tying a little more to our topics, I have a concern that fans are going to want uh, media to be more escapist. Yes. <clears throat> there's, a, um, there's a cartoon that was going around a while ago, and actually one of the first things I ever wrote for the Superhero Ethics blog before it became a podcast, that there's a cartoon about someone who kind of like goes out into the world and it's people yelling at each other and it's all these social issues and the response is that he just wants to go hide in his escapist world of media and I hate that cartoon because it's presented as this is a great thing that fandom does 
And and I'm or I shouldn't say I hate it, but my response is that what I want is fandom to be a safe place from all that feeling, but also a place that eventually makes you feel like I can't just stay in the safe cocoon. I need to go be a hero and I need to go and fix it. And I, I definitely I think that's a concern we both share. Um <clears throat> so uh deal with the concerns. Uh, my number three concern we already talked about is that Picard won't feel like Star Trek. Um, yeah. I'm, I, 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 J.J. Abrams may become my Zack Snyder in 2020. I hate what he did to Star Trek. I hate what he did to um, Star Wars. Um, so that's my number three concern. Uh, and then my number two is, is pretty much what you said. It's a politics-making geeks uh, want escapism. Um, right, with, you, rather than engaging. In yeah. And then your number two is about the kind of similar stuff about uh, stories being more affected by the desire for profits and the Chinese market and, and the fanboys and stuff like that. Yeah, particularly the, um, this ties into something that we are both very heavily connected with, like in the, in the magic story. And yeah. The, uh, a character who was pretty explicitly by uh, that part of her character got erased in yep. a piece of officially published fiction for no fucking reason whatsoever that I could think of except to um, appease the uh, Chinese market, which yeah. is a bad reason. Well, and, and then I want to push back, because I was going to say actually one of my biggest concerns of myself and of all of us is and here's where I don't know where reality meets meets concern, which is like, I think you're right. I think we, we, Wizards is on record as talking about wanting to sell to the Chinese market and concerned about how stories like that will play in. But I also know there's a real danger of ourselves as well as people like wizards. Like, there's a lot of people in America who might not like, uh, who might be homophobic about these stories as well. Sure. And I do think that I have a personal concern that I think the blame China thing can become a little racist if we're not careful. Right. No, absolutely. And it, it's yeah, one I, I think I want to hold us, but I think you're as well. I want to kind of challenge us both to hold us accountable to that because, it, like, we're on record that we know that is a concern. I think it, I don't think it's about the Chinese people. I think it's about the Chinese no, government. I, I want to, yes, I want to thank you. I thank you very much. I want to be very clear. It is about the it is about the government. It's about the decisions uh, about the restriction of media and information to their nation. There's a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so your number one, I didn't put on here, but maybe I should have. Because it certainly is one I'm thinking about a lot. Uh, but I want to give you a second to to talk about it. Uh, is uh, certainly it sounds a lot more important than my number five, my number one, uh, which is uh, the popularity and award winning as a Joker and what that's going to do to the industry. This should be an entire episode uh, of the podcast, honestly. But yeah, Cliff's Notes version um, Joker won a Golden Globe and is probably going to win some other awards, and a lot of people bought it as a something that, that appropriately challenges woke culture. Yep. Um, using that exact terminology, and I just want to kick that entire statement in the nuts until dead, uh, because it's like it's a very violent thing for me to say. I understand I'm a pacifist, so. Um, well, but the, the like what I what, yeah, I, what I mean is that the idea that somehow wanting to be aware of and empathize with people that aren't like us and be cognizant of it and respect. Uh, other people, when they voice that they are upset or concerned or triggered by things, uh, that that would ever be a bad thing is bullshit. Yeah. And I'm. The thing is, I think that probably woke culture could could use some critique. I think anything could use some critique, but I don't want to see it critiqued 
by a movie that says we should have sympathy for a disaffected, lonely white guy who doesn't get enough attention and respect and thus turns to violence to act out on his problems. Right. Like, that's a real thing in our culture that I don't think needs sympathy right now. And, and yeah, and I, I, I think there's a way to uphold that. And I'll admit, like, I haven't seen Joker yet. I need to. I'm going just on all the reactions. Mostly I'm reacting to the fan reaction, but the fan reaction terrifies me. Same. Um, and that, I think that's the... Um, so, my now, my, much less... Uh, one last thing. I feel yeah. like the movie The Joker, what it should have done was challenge people by making a story about a very disturbing person um, and, like, trying to make them sympathetic, and that's what we should be struggling with. Like, that, that's why it should be a good movie, right? Is that we're struggling with, like, feeling any amount of sympathy for this person, and it's, that's not what it's being held up as, right. as in that... Because if you want to say that disaffected white guys get kicked around too much by woke culture, I'm going to somewhat push back. But I'm going to say, okay, there might be a movie that could explore that. I don't think this was the way to do that. Sure. Um, especially because, frankly, we get it. Like, Punisher was already way too much of it. Um, so uh, my last concern, uh, again, it seems a little trite, but I do think it's important, is... Actually, actually I can make it sound more important, because uh, I think it is. Um, I think that the... We talked about it way too much, I know. But I think that the Netflix Marvel Universe was the pinnacle of really pushing ethical questions in superhero media. And to me, it, like, I always think about the fact that, like, Captain America can kill people and not feel guilty. Daredevil clearly, like, felt guilt about all... I don't think he ever, like... Well, he never killed people. He just hit them in the head with iron pipes. But, like... Netflix Marvel wrestled with the ethical questions of superhero stuff in ways that I know comic books had, but that I've never really seen on television do. And now more things are doing it, like The Boys and Umbrella Academy, um, and even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. started to do. I am worried that we will lose that when Disney takes over those stories. Um, they'll become way too safe. Yeah. Um, and Return of Skywalker really makes me a lot more worried about that. Mandalorian doesn't, because Mandalorian, frankly is much darker than any Star Wars property I've ever seen. Um, there's blood. It, you know, so. it's, it's very interesting to hear you talk that way about it. Uh, I I wasn't joking uh, last episode where I said I was subscribing to Becky and Rachel Judge things. Uh, I listened to their episode on The Mandalorian, and they have a radically different take. Interesting. Uh, they don't like it. Okay. They, they don't like it. We'll talk about it I, later. I would definitely enjoy listening to it, because, yeah, I, I, I greatly appreciate... Uh, uh, I don't know Rachel, but I... Uh, uh, Rachel is the sister of Becky Allen, who's been on our podcast a number of times, and I really love both their perspectives. Uh, plug uh, for Becky and Rachel Judge things. Like, seriously, it's really good, and I love that it gives me the it gives me two people criticizing media that are voices that I don't have from perspectives that I don't have. I love yeah. it. It is very good, and it doesn't just do sort of geek media. It, it, yeah. uh, among other things, it did an episode of The Christmas Prince that is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but that also gave me, like, a perspective on the rom-com that I would yep. not have gotten. Yep. Um, so, let, let, I'm just going to read through all five of my um, five things we wish we were talking about more of. Oh, uh, so my uh, honorable mentions for concerns were, were Joker style, were the Joker. And also, we have a Batman movie coming up. And Batman is always going to be my favorite hero. We have a Batman movie coming up? Yeah, the Batman movie, I think, is coming out in 2020. Maybe I misread it, but I think it's coming out this year. Um no, I'm just criticizing DC for poor promotion. I have no yeah. idea where a Batman movie coming. It may be 2021, and all our Maybe. fans are now going to write in. Um, but so let me just quickly go through um, 
my top five things I wish we talked about more of. And if you want to comment a little, and then we'll read your five. Yeah. Uh, but mine were number five, the business of media. We talked about that a good deal already. Yeah. Uh, number four is uh, <clears throat> connecting these questions to our own lives. Um, I think we're, it's always kind of implicit, but I'd like to be a little more explicit. And I will give a shout out here to um, a wonderful, um, po- uh, uh, not podcast, but a, um, uh, a blog. I think it might actually be a podcast. I, I, I'm embarrassed I've not interacted with this in two years, but it's the Be Super Project. Uh, and it's run by a person who was a guest a long time ago. I'd love to get her back on. But then it really goes into saying, how can we take the lessons of superheroes and actually, like, you know, they do things like go into high schools and, like, teach kids, you know, what can Superman teach you about how to be a better person? I would love it if we did a little bit more of that in our own podcasting. Um yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit further on. It's, it's going to be the next one, though. Um, so my number three um, is she It was that. Oh, okay. There's a weird divider. Yeah, it well, was a weird divider. Sorry, folks. It means we get a few more minutes. So <clears throat> um, so number three is she Because, again, it just it's it's a kid's show, and it's a completely female-driven show, and it's a perspective, therefore, that you don't get as much. Uh, and it really just is doing mind-blowing things with, with animation and with storytelling. And I really wish we would talk about it some more in the next year. Um, <clears throat> apparently, I really liked it because I have Shira as number three and number two. Uh, so perhaps the thing I want to do is more editing in 2020. Um, <laughs> but I, I will slip in my um, I, I slip in then uh, Cloak and Dagger and the Runaways, and those are the two sort of MCU but definitely Marvel shows that happen on TV outside of uh, Netflix. And they're both kind of YA shows, but they're really, really good. And they, they raise some great issues. Uh, and then my number one that we talked about is Umbrella Academy and the Boys. Um, so, yeah, a lot of it's just kind of more like the independent media. And, I mean, of course we haven't talked about it because there's just so much now. Like, two years ago, I prided myself on the fact that I saw every superhero product on television. I just can't anymore. Um, and that's connected also to my honorable mentions, which is Black Lightning and the Arrowverse. Um both of which I know are continuing to do interesting things. The Arrowverse is kind of cheesy in its storytelling, but has some good storytelling. Black Lightning, I think, is actually just a very good show that um, I wish it got more attention. Uh, but yeah, so that's my list. And kind of let me hear your thoughts on that. And we discuss it for a minute, and then I'll hear your five. I mean, that is a lot of stuff that I haven't watched that you want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I want to be clear: if it doesn't look like I'm going to get to something within the next year or so. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm 100% okay having a podcast discussion. I'm, I'm going to be pitching some for, for things that you haven't seen. Yeah. Um, and, like, I'm willing to be sit here and be, like, sort of the, I'm not aware of this, but I'm willing to learn and just engage with the, the core topic underneath that you want to focus on. Well, and I think that's important because I do think um, a bit of a self-critique that I have is I think when we started this podcast and also when you came on it, we had a very clear focus of let's explore the ethical question in this property right. in a way that someone who hasn't seen the property would still enjoy and appreciate and get something out of. I think more recently we've slid a little bit more into doing into doing property reviews. Certainly, um, I don't fault us because it was very important and also is so is so full of ethical issues. But our last episode was one hundred percent a movie review. About we, Rise of Skywalker. We talked about talking about an ethical question. Yeah. <laughs> we, and, and we did talk about ethical questions with respect to representations of the Yeah. And, we, and, and problems with 
adjusting media, we did those. Right. right. But, but so, so my point is, I think it would actually be good to do some episodes where one of us hasn't seen the property, because yeah. it'll help pull us away from that. And as well as, you know, your schedule is getting busier, so we may have some episodes that you can't be on, and that'll be good times to do things you haven't seen uh, right. but want to. Um, yeah, and so let's, uh, your top five, um, your number five is C-3PO and the Rise of Skywalker, which... <laughs> that is the one I was alluding to, but we yep. lampshaded that question in the podcast about Rise of Skywalker. We just never circled back to his sacrifice, uh, which I, I take that personally. I own yeah. that. That's on me. Uh, I am well, the person who bangs that drum, so... And we are going to do uh, probably one, if not two episodes on the ethics of artificial intelligence because um, uh, my partner's father, who actually does a lot of work in building artificial intelligence robots, um, he, I know, wants to do an episode with us where he defends the robots in the Matrix and Terminator, which I'm very excited for, um, but also because it's going to come up in Ricard, it's going to come up in a lot of the stuff we're looking at. We're we are definitely... What was that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, we, we have enough to get there, though. Um, we're definitely going to be... Um, Good ethical question. Who pays for gas on a road trip? Um, but we're gonna, um, we're definitely gonna do a few episodes on artificial intelligence, and so fans help hold us accountable. We will make sure we talk about C three PO's sacrifice because not only is it a great ethical question in that movie Rise of Skywalker, but it brings up the fact that the ethical value of droids is never explored in any other part of the Star Wars properties except the Clone Wars TV show. Um, never in the main movies. Uh, so your number four is practicing ethics, and I think is that pretty much kind of the stuff we've talked yeah, about already. I was going to say, I, I thought that was on my list too. It's exactly what you were talking about earlier about uh, talking more about things like the Bean Super Project, about um, right, uh, in case, like it, it ties in with one of my concerns with uh, the election and, and politics in the U.S. in 2020. Yeah, like. And I mean, I, I I want to do a section in that episode. Uh, I'm a very politically involved person, and I think it's very hard for people to figure out how to get politically involved if they want to, especially for a lot of us are introverts, and the last thing you want to do is talk to strangers. And the fact is, there's a lot of things you can do to help political campaigns uh, of any campaign. I'm not going to make that partisan, though you all know where I stand. Um, uh, but there's a lot of things you can do, and we, so we will do partially an episode on that. Uh, number three is Persona 5, and I watched Mary play, my partner Mary, play through some of this, so I, I, I agree with you, but you want to give us just 20 seconds on why that's a good one to explore? Persona 5 is a video game with a story that explores a radical ethical problem within the first, like, three hours of gameplay, which for a video game that's, like, staggeringly soon, to be challenging the, uh, and it just, it keeps doing it. This is a scenario where the the lead characters are, have the power to take people who are being shitty and, like, actively rewrite them, basically, to stop being shitty and to own their shittiness. Uh-huh. Um, and then do it. Wow. And do it multiple times. And then there's this whole thing about whether or not these people are doing good or are um, actually themselves villains. And it's... It's a... It, it's something I really want to deep dive into by, by talking about the nuances right. and, and different events. So I'm not going to go super deep on it now yet. We're just trying to figure out. Yeah, well, um, it's, I definitely want to explore that. And I also want to, I, I realize I never actually mentioned why it is I'm so excited to explore ethics in video games. And part of it, and maybe Persona 5 doesn't quite let you do this, because it sounds like it is predetermined that what the characters do, uh, at least in that regard. 
Um, but one of the things that I, you know, this podcast started with people watching movies and TV shows and saying, I don't know if I would have done what Captain America did. Maybe I would have done something different. And what has blown me away about video games is now I get to make that choice. And in, in a way, it is kind of a choose-your-own-ethical adventure. Like the game Destiny that I'm playing, there are distinctly two different ethical sides, and you kind of pick which one you think is right. Yeah. In the same kind of way like Skyrim. Like, you know, you can be with... There's a civil war happening, and neither one is clearly, like, in the right. Like, they're both... And I just... I really want to get it... To me, we'll probably do a couple episodes on video games, but the one that I would really want to do is... How does it change the media when you get to be an active participant? Yeah, absolutely. I think I actually uh, talk, I, I pitched that same one as something that we might have recorded today in the car. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm in. I think yeah. that's a great discussion. There's been a lot of games where there's morality systems uh, that, that give you choices and that changes your character's arc. Yep. Uh, some of them more nuanced and some of them more anvily. Uh, <laughs> the more nuanced ones are the ones that I enjoy the most because they're the ones recognize that it's not always black or white clear what the right decision is. Um, and so your number two was, by the way, if anyone is interested in the fact that we are now back to reading each one and talking about them instead of what we did with mine of reading all five, it's because Jacob did something very smart, which is right before we were going to have to discuss all five of his on like two minutes, he took a wrong turn, which added ten minutes to our drive. So, <laughs> uh, good, good, I Find myself time <laughs> to talk more. Strategic podcasting, it's a thing. But yeah, so number two is the flubs in the magic storyline. Uh, yeah. And so yeah, so why do you think this is an important one? Well, because we've talked about the magic storyline before in, as an episode, and there's a recent development that is something we, I think, certainly so need to be very critical of, and I would feel that we would be doing a disservice to our listeners and the people we interact with not bringing it on the podcast as a major topic. Yeah. Because it concerns it concerns representation. It concerns dealing with alternative sexualities in characters in a different form of media. And like the fact that as a is a entity, wizards can't get celebrated for doing something progressive and then just throw it in the garbage later. They yeah. have it both ways. And I, I think it's a very good episode, especially because, and maybe this is not the direction you want to go, but maybe I can convince, or maybe this already is, I feel like there's two other reasons why magic especially is a really good topic for us to explore. Well, there's One a of, show coming. Well, yeah, it is a TV show coming, but also, you know, let's get, let's get personal. You and I make money, or at least, <laughs> we, 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 we yep. do, I mean, Jacob, we make money, yeah. we make money, no J- we make money off magic. Jacob and I are right now driving to an event where we will work helping to run a magic event. And so it, it, it hits home on a very personal level because I certainly have thought about what is the line of how bad they can go before I have to decide I can't do that anymore. Um, and so it makes the personal favorites question really come home for both of us. But also it, it, it happens because the magic thing is a little bit interesting in that it gets into problematic issues from kind of a degree of separation because... What Jacob and I are doing is going to judge people playing a game. And there is a story that undergirds the game and that just Jacob and I are saying has had some real problems. But you also don't have to know anything about the story to play and interact with the game. And I think that raises some questions. Like, I don't think that lets us right. off the hook. Right. But I think it raises a lot of questions of 
you know, to me, if this was a question, like, I think we would have gotten to the point of, if we were just watching Magic TV show, I probably would have stopped watching. I'm still wrestling with how much can I be involved in something where my involvement isn't with the story, it's with the game, but the story is very tied into the game, you know? And I think that there's... I, I imagine that that episode is going to involve a lot of soul-searching by both of us, because it's 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 going to be... And it may well be that one of us convinces the other to change something. I don't know. Um, but I think it's, I think you're right. That's a very, very good concern to bring up. Um, and so the last one you had, as you want to talk about more, was disposable people. Uh, let's go into this, because I think this is going to be a really good yeah, one. We, we talked about this topic before, but I think a surgery visit, because it keeps happening. This yep. is the who-can-we-kill discussion, but I kind of want to expand it. Uh, and this kind of ties into the 3PO thing as well. Yeah. It's this idea of just because his memory can get overwritten or potentially restored doesn't make his sacrifice any less or, or the fact that he has to make that choice any less. And the, the um, especially since the uh, principal villain of Picard starting off looks like it's going to be at least in part dealing with the Borg, the Borg are a very firm example of disposable people. Yeah. In terms of, like, oh, it's okay to kill them because they're all, like, this homogenous, um, uh, hive mind collective thing. And, like, no. Yeah. That's, that, that's still life. And it's still intelligent life. Well, I, I think this is a great topic because we can get, we can approach it from the who can you kill, which is a very good point of view. We can approach it from whose sacrifice matters. And I think we can approach it from whose issues are taken seriously right. and whose are comic relief. And yeah, whose are played for. You know, and in some ways, that's, I think, what's most revolutionary about C-3PO is the entire rest of the movie, he's comic relief. And the entire rest of the, the saga, I mean, he's comic relief. Uh, yeah, we're turning right right here. What's this one? Um, so, yeah, so I think I think that's going to be one. I mean, in some ways, that's one we've danced around a lot in the all of the podcasts. But I think it'd be really good to explore it a much more. Uh, and, and, and maybe the framework I would offer for it, especially because it comes up so often in video games. You're going seven-tenths of a mile now. Yes. Um, uh, these are very rainy, ugly roads, so that's why we're having some trouble. Yeah, uh, and and no, Jacob is doing. I cannot a, see the lines. Yeah, I could not drive and podcast, so Jacob's doing a phenomenal job here. Um, yeah, uh, about half an hour more. Um, I, I say the framework that I might suggest we approach that with, especially because it ties into so much about video games, is who gets to be a PC versus who gets to be an NPC. Oh yeah, yeah, I dig that. Um, and I think there's a great way we can connect it because. Um, you know, that's a comment I've been making a lot more when I look at, like, the way people treat other people on the internet. Yes. I think a lot of it's the, like, who do you see as an NPC, you know? And it's, um... <laughs> and that's dehumanizing in and of itself, but people do it all the yeah. time. And, like, I'm not saying that people are monsters or doing it on purpose, but yeah. It's a thing. When you and don't know somebody, it's a lot easier to treat them as not a person. And it ties into, I, I think I've said this before, but I one of my favorite sort of phrases of classical philosophy... Uh, or maybe not classical, but like in the last 300 years, comes from a, a Jewish philosopher and theologian named Martin Buber, uh, where he talked about the importance of the difference between an I-I relationship versus an I-thou relationship. Or an I-thou versus an I-it relationship. You know, and it's like, how much are you recognizing the humanity of the other person you're interacting with? So, yeah, I think that'll be a great topic. Um, <clears throat> we are now almost to our destination, so Jacob, any kind of final thoughts you want to add? Or things well, that was my last one. That cool. was your number one, yep. did it, yeah. <laughs> These, I, I'm actually curious how much people like these uh, top five episodes. So 
If you're interested in contributing your own top fives on these topics or others for the year, um, I'm interested in hearing about that. Uh, yeah. Posting that on Facebook for us to review, and, and we might even do uh, a review of that. We were, I know, Matthew, we're talking about um, essentially for next year, farther down the road, engaging mm-hmm. and getting like a voting thing for some of this to talk yeah. about. Because, um, like, I, I, I'm not gonna lie i like the idea of talking about things that people who listen to us want us to talk about yep um but i don't know what that is so we just sort of pick a topic and go these days and that's a bit of a plug uh this is the point in time where jacob and i are starting to plot out what are the topics we want to cover for next year yeah and one thing i actually want to be more intentional of is a lot of times it's oh hey i just saw this great movie did you see that movie yeah let's talk about that for our next episode right and I'm actually going to try and be intentional of like looking ahead to what is the release schedule and what are the things we both want to plan to watch and 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 do an episode on. Or maybe if Jacob doesn't watch it or I don't watch it, the other one can still do it. But for you fans, uh, I really want to give you a chance to have some input there. So please, um, if any of the topics we mentioned or things we're excited about, you're excited about as well, let us know. If any of them are ones we're like, wow, that sounds boring, don't do that episode, do this one instead, let us know. Anything we can think of, please let us know. Um, and I'll use that to segue into our closing. Um, the best way to let us know, uh, as Jacob said, we have a Facebook group. We have a Facebook page as well with a group. You have to join it, but you will auto- automatically be added. Uh, if you have a swastika as your profile picture, probably not. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> um, but everyone else, you're going to be added. Um, join that group. You can also email us on Facebook. Uh, you can email us at superheroethics at gmail.com. The Facebook group is just called Superhero Ethics. Uh, you can also leave a comment on our page. You can tweet at us, Superhero Ethics at Twitter, um, or you can just contact us uh, uh, directly. You can send us an email um, uh, at superheroethics at gmail.com uh, or find us, either of us, on Twitter. Uh, you can DM oh, me on Twitter. Bots are people, too. Yep, he's bots are people, too. I'm Superhero Ethicist. All of that will be in our podcast notes. Uh, please support us on uh, – give us a five-star review. It's a great way to help other people listen, get more people into the conversation. You can support us on Patreon or buy some of our merchandise. All that information is on the uh, the website and on the notes. But since I now see our destination, 